The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 2, The Tavern, Part 1. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, please send it to thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, travel with me to one of Austin's oldest bars, where employees and patrons are reporting unexplained noises, objects going missing and then being found again, and even sightings of a child. Join me as I uncover a dark past behind this historic bar and try to understand what exactly is happening at the Tavern in Austin, Texas. Stay tuned. The Night Owl Podcast is sponsored by Home Ads, a hassle-free website that fills the gap between short-term rentals and annual leases. Rent a place you love in a neighborhood that feels like home. Be sure to visit homeads.com for more information. On the night of October 21st, around 10.30 p.m., I find myself standing at the corner of 12th and Lamar in Austin, Texas. I'm looking up at the tavern. I've passed by this place hundreds of times, if not more than that. I've even eaten here. I recall having some of their famous sliders and catching a ball game here about nine years ago. It was then that I had heard of rumors of paranormal activity surrounding this place, but I didn't really know all the details. I'm here now to get to the bottom of what is actually going on at this place. I'd reached out to the staff, and thankfully, a general manager named Molly had gotten back in touch with me and invited me to come and interview some of the staff that had personal experiences there. As I push through the door, the energy is electric. And I'm not talking about supernatural energy, I'm talking about sports fan energy. There's 46 televisions in this entire place, and they are all playing the final playoff game between the Astros and the New York Yankees. The winner of this game goes on to play in the World Series. Obviously, there was a lot of energy in the place. As I push my way through the screaming and aggressive fans to the back end of the bar, near the kitchen doors, I spotted a bartender drawing off a pint glass behind the bar and a young blonde with tattoos covering her arms sitting in front of the bar. This was Molly. There weren't any introductions. She kind of just leapt off the bar stool, shook my hand, and quickly dove into an unexpected tour that she was going to give me of the place. Um, apparently things have happened back here. Um, there was like a video, right, of Sam the dude was washing dishes and the shelf flew on him? Yeah, a couple of times there were videos. Yeah, um, it used to be, we used to have security cameras. Someone was washing dishes and that shelf of food just on camera took him out. Way before I was here. We're in the kitchen, but we quickly push out into the main dining hall, and Molly continues. Uh, so this has been here since 1916. Super old building. And during Prohibition, they turned the downstairs into a grocery store, and the upstairs was a secret brothel. Before we make it to the office, we stop on the second floor. Okay, so the second level was um, the secret brothel. And if you look around, you can kind of see, like, um, you can see seams on the ceiling and on the walls where it's all original, where they made stalls for business, you know? So the story goes that there was a woman working here um, in the brothel, and she had a young daughter named Emily, and she would bring her to work with her, and her daughter would play in the grocery store while she did her things up here. And there was a lot of um, people from the capital would come here, and his name, they don't know his name, but he's the red-headed statesman, and he fell in love with Emily's mother, like really enthralled, 
tried to make a move on her and she was like, no, this is work, you know? And um, he got mad, took revenge, took Emily up here, and raped and murdered her. Okay, I'm stopping here because when Molly said that, I was a bit shocked. I had heard stories, but nothing like this. I kept recording. I followed her as she took me up to the third floor. And I'm pretty sure this has always just been like a crawl space attic. Molly points to a square waist-high door at the landing of the third floor. It's got a sort of makeshift latch with a paper clip holding it shut. But her body was found in here. She undoes the clip, proceeds to open the door. Um, right now it's just storage, but yeah, this is literally where they found her body. A ton of things happen up here. Um, this is my office. We're on the third floor, which is inaccessible to patrons. Molly takes me back to her office. We get a lot of ghost tours that come in here, and, um, before I was here, but story goes, there was a woman working here, and her family came to visit her, like her young daughter and her mom. And so she's like, oh, let me give you the tour, and she came upstairs, and she was showing her mother the office, and they heard, like, her daughter talking. And they're like, who are you talking to? And they, they look around the corner, and she's way back by that by the crawl space and by herself. And they're like, what are you doing? She's like, playing with this weird girl. And um, they were like, you know, there's nobody there. And she described a little girl in weird clothes without her shoes. And the picture she drew says, you're hired. She said the girl told her that she could work here. Um, and that picture will just fall off the wall. As you can see, it's broken and taped. The picture is a framed child's drawing. It's on a piece of colorful construction paper. It does appear to be a drawing of a young girl. The frame rests high up near the ceiling on top of an electrical box. It's pretty high up. Um, I'll show you downstairs, but when they were renovating this building in 2003, a pair of shoes fell out of the wall, and they had them dated and sized, and they're framed downstairs, which is really creepy. They're on the wall next to the bar. A lot of stuff happens up here, noises. I'll be, like, the only one in here at night, and I always lock myself in because I'm scared. And, like, you heard the stairs. They creak. I'll hear running up the stairs, and then nothing. I'm, like, waiting for someone to come, and nobody nobody ever comes in. Two scary things happened to me in here. Once, I brought my dog to work with me because it was really slow, and I was like, I want my dog to come to work. And um, she's really good. She's really well-trained. I had her on a leash, and I had the leash tied around my waist. She loved everything about being here. End of the night, we came up here to do the paperwork, and as soon as we got to the top of the stairs, she turned around and started clawing down the stairs. I was like, come on, come on. So I'm, like, dragging her into the office, and, like, I'm using my full weight, and she's, like, facing trying to get down with claws. Like, she did not want to come in here as if her life depended on it. And I got her in here, and I locked the door, and I unhooked her because I had to do my end-of-the-night paperwork. And she sat with her head against the door like this, eyes closed, until I let her out, and she ran all the way down the stairs. The other scary thing happened in the women's restroom downstairs. People report that's like a hot spot for activity. Restaurant was dead. I went to use the restroom. Opened the door and there's two stalls. And I pulled one, it was locked. I pulled the other, it was locked. And I'm like, it's really quiet. So being weird, I like get down and look under and there's no feet. So I'm like, someone either scooted under or crawled over, locked them and then got back out. I'm like, that's so weird. So I left the bathroom. And then I was like, I need to unlock them. So I, within like 30 seconds, turn around to go back in. As I open the door to the restroom, the two stall doors fly open. And I ran out of the building and like took a walk for 20 minutes. But um, 
I'll show you the shoes downstairs. I stopped Molly right there because I realized I've been running around following her with my microphone since I walked to the door, and I didn't really get a chance to sit down and have her formally introduce herself. She realizes this herself and invites me to have a seat right there in her office so we can continue in a more formal interview fashion. I plan to check out the shoes, obviously, just a little bit later. Okay, so my name is Molly. I'm the general manager of the tavern. I've been here about six or seven months now. Um, When I was offered the job, I came from a sister company. Um, Nobody told me it was haunted. And I knew it was a really old building, and I always drove past, and I thought it was super cute. And the first day I came into the office and I saw the crazy picture on the wall, and I was like, what is that? And then I got the whole story. The first thing that happened to me here was I cleaned the office really well. Like, I cleaned everything, and it would keep getting cluttered. And it's not me, and it's not the other managers, and it's not a big deal, but it's just, like, papers. Just kind of, like, I'll, I'll file, and they're just kind of go. And, like, things will be stacked nicely, and they'll just kind of, like, fall out of line. And um, I'll leave little knickknacks. Like, I had this little... It was really silly. I had a rock that my mother gave me, and it was, like, a good luck rock or whatever. I left it in one of these, and it disappeared. Um, and then you can see... Molly grabs a post-it note that's on the desk, and it says, Hi, Emily, in someone's handwriting. The manager before me just left her a note, because I guess things go missing out of here so often. So I just keep the note in there for good luck. But things on the desk move. Things in the office move. I'll be up here some nights, closing... I have to be the last one here. I do all the paperwork. It's a really creaky building. Like, you can hear when people move. It's 100 years old. And I can see on that second camera down, um, that's, like, the bottom of the office stairs. So I can see if someone's coming up. And I'll be watching it and hearing someone run up the stairs, but there's... I don't see anyone. And I, like, wait for them to pop their head around the corner. They never do. And that happens a lot. Sometimes at the end of the night when we're turning off the TVs, like, the bartenders and I will, like... There's like 48 TVs in here. It's insane. We'll go through, turn all of them off, and they'll just start popping back on. Like it's the worst prank ever. Because you're so tired, and it's one in the morning, and she's just turning the TVs back on. The picture, um, that's what like freaked me out when I got here. The girl has no shoes on in the picture, which there's no way they told this child, like, oh yeah, by the way, there was a girl murdered up here, and she had no shoes on. So like, she clearly saw something or her imagination is extremely advanced and um the little bubble says you're hired and apparently the the crazy girl she was playing with told her she could work here so i'm sam uh, i work have worked at the tavern for two years and a bit now uh and i am currently the bar manager so i'm a bartender and the bar manager yes yeah, so uh back during prohibition uh, the tavern was a brothel and a speakeasy upstairs. The tavern is on 12th and Lamar, and 12th Street was the county line at the time, apparently. So uh, it was frequented by uh, city officials and state senators because it was the capital. And so they would come here to, you know, have their fun. And Emily's sort of bedroom, I guess you could call it, was a closet um, that was sort of across the room. And so, you know, the the, the story is that you know, there was shouting and Emily came out to see what was going on and the guy got kicked out of the mother's booth and was angry and raged and when Emily was trying to get back to her room he grabbed her and he brought her upstairs to the attic and had his various horrible ways with her and then he strangled her and stuffed her in the wall 
uh, in a little crawl space in the wall. Um, and then, you know, presumably they found her body a couple days later. But in 2003, the tavern underwent renovations and they tore down an outside wall and they added a whole second bar and a patio upstairs. And when they tore down that previously outside wall, Emily's shoes fell out of the um, fell out of the wall. They were like sitting on the baseboard of the floor. Uh, inside the wall. So that's the story of the shoes. The legend of Emily, I know, goes back much further than that, but most of what I know has happened like since the 80s. Um, tons of stories of people seeing weird stuff and, and people hearing things. Lots of people late at night hear, you know, laughter or hear screams or hear crying or things like that, and we can't figure out where it's coming from. Um, even people outside the building have seen things happen inside the building. There used to be a two-story building across the street from us, and they used to see someone walking upstairs through the windows, right right where Emily likes to hang out. And they would call the managers and be like, hey, somebody broke into your bar. Like, you got to get over there. Somebody's, somebody's in your bar right now. Uh, and the managers would come over or they'd look at the camera and there'd be nobody there. So, like, the, the, the story of Emily goes, you know, outside the walls of the tavern. It's a really well-known thing now. So Emily, she has an agenda, definitely. Uh, she likes to pick on women. And she likes to p- pick on people with red hair. Uh, specifically people with red hair. Um, and that's for a couple of different reasons, but the biggest reason is uh, the guy that killed her was had red hair. That's apparently, I don't know if that's the legend or if that's true. Uh, it's kind of hard to know what is true and what's not just because it happened in, it happened uh, 90 years ago this year, 90 years ago this year. The things that I've experienced, they've been minor, nothing like, you know, in my face, but like just, I, I'm not even kidding, just, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday night, this week, um, uh, we were standing in the kitchen. A few of us were standing in the kitchen talking, and all of a sudden, we have a, like a hand washing sink sort of near us. And all of a sudden, it starts overflowing, and no one had turned on the sink. Nobody had touched that sink in a really long time. And we all just sort of looked at each other. Like it's it's at the point now. I mean, I've been here for two years, and even people that start fresh, it gets to the point pretty quickly where we look at each other and we're like, "Oh, that was Emily." You go to you, you hear about stories about ghosts and you you hear about buildings that are haunted and stuff like that and people are like oh yeah it's the ghost oh the ghost moved your drink or oh the ghost knocked that over but here it's like people really believe it which is really interesting and it's it's sometimes it's fun to like get people's goat for it you know what I mean sometimes it's fun to like try and get people to believe it's true and then like freak them out a little bit but sometimes it really happens one time uh, about a year ago I think we had a girl start here uh, a waitress start here and she was like scared she was like legitimately scared it was like her third date and i was telling her all the stories i was bartending at one point and i told her like she likes to pick on girls and she she was like oh my god are you serious and she's like i gotta get out of here like like i I don't want to work nights i'm gonna work days and stuff like that and then like half an hour later she was getting ready to go and she couldn't find her necklace and we we had to like look at around the whole restaurant for her necklace and it ended up behind one of the bars behind the upstairs bar and she had been working downstairs and it was just so one of those things where it's like how would that even happen like how would that get on the floor downstairs and that's happened a lot of times uh, one of the most prevalent stories is that Emily steals stuff from girls and hides it um she's hidden cell phones she's put them like behind the ice machine downstairs when she was working upstairs that, that's what she does she likes to steal people's stuff and hide it so that's what a lot of the stories are but but, you know, like Molly was saying, you know, there's video of her knocking stuff over. We used to have this guy. He died in March. And I don't want to talk about it too much because he liked to say that he doesn't leave tracks and he would hate that we ever use his name on a podcast. But uh, we had this regular who was everybody's best friend and he'd been coming here for years and years and he built a bunch of restaurants in Austin. And he was just an old guy. 
And he'd always sit at the bar. He'd be at the bar all night, and he knew all the regulars, and he knew all the people, and he was part of the ghost tour. One time, uh, we had a manager a couple years ago. Her name was Sam, and uh, we had these cameras right here. We have the security camera feed, and it doesn't record to anything, but we used to be able to watch like the last 24 hours. And so Sam one day was checking the feed of, of overnight just to make sure nothing crazy happened. Uh, and she saw something on the video, and she brought him up, and sure enough, like there's a camera that points at the corner where um, the, the mother's stall, Emily's mother's like room was um, sort of off in the corner uh, and sure enough there is like a shadow like clearly visible that is like standing there and then moves and disappears into the wall and it's just things like that that make you wonder like I don't believe in ghosts but when I see stuff I do you know what I mean it's that sort of situation where it's like I'm like ah, they probably don't exist but if I'm going to see something I'm going to be like oh yep that was a ghost like absolutely that was a ghost so it's like things like that that I'm like okay maybe it's all really real maybe it is real you know one time I was working the bar downstairs and this is, it seems like a mundane thing, but it's, it's one of those things where there's no other, there's, there's no possible way it could have happened. I was working at the downstairs bar and I'm unloading the dishwasher or super normal thing. And all of a sudden I turn around and I've got a full bar in front of me too. All of a sudden the whole rack of glasses flips out of the thing, flips out of the dishwasher flat onto the floor and all the glasses shatter. And I looked at everybody at the bar and they were all like, just happened like how could that even happen because there's like no physical way it could have happened there's like not room for that to happen and it was just one of those things where it was like that was that was emily that was it it's all that was emily no doubt about it my name is zach nogra i'm a bartender here at the tavern and i've been here for a year and a half now my name is nick and i come here about two or three times a week i was finishing up work and we were just kind of hanging around around here and just relaxing i got off clocked out just kind of sat at the bar, waiting to leave, but kind of just, like, getting off my feet for a second. And um, there was another guy with us, um, and we were all just kind of chatting, having a conversation, hanging out for the last couple minutes until we left. And at one point, I had heard a giggle outside on the patio. And, again, everything's locked up, everything's closed, the lights are off. And I kind of turn my head and I look, and I just, like, peek out. And I don't, I don't see anybody. I don't say anything because I was like, I think I'm just going crazy. And that's when Nick says, I heard something. Uh, I heard like a, an exuberant laugh or something. It, it sounded like people were talking. It sounded like a woman's laugh or, or something out, right outside. I saw him look and I said, hey, you still got you still have customers right out there because it sounded like it was right outside the door. And uh, we're like, what? And so we, we both kind of looked and there's nobody there whatsoever. And um, a little bit of time went by. Not not much at all, and then I heard it again, but this time it was strange. It didn't sound like it was to my right where the outside door is. It sounded like it was kind of behind me. It was strange. I couldn't. I looked around, and I couldn't tell where it came from, but I know I heard it again. And um, that's basically it. So I, we had no idea, but we definitely heard, you know, a laughter, a woman's voice. It sounded like very happy of some kind. It sounded, you know, I couldn't tell. Zach had a couple more stories to share with us. It was my first month here. And I'm I'm the closing, I'm the shift lead, I'm the closing manager. Um, I'm upstairs, I'm turning off all the TVs now. We have remotes for all of our TVs. We have two different types of TVs. We have remotes for both of them. So, you know, you can just walk by, turn all of them off, you know, with the two remotes. Well, the remotes go missing, and we only keep them in one of two spots and nowhere to be found. The closing, man, the closing bartender downstairs had turned all their TVs off, and so these are just MIA, and so... I'm turning off one by one, one by one, and 
I turn off all the Sony's TVs, and the other brand is Toshiba. Well, for the Toshibas, I have to get onto a stool and turn those off, you know, one by one. I have to climb up a stool, turn one off, get down, move the stool over, climb back up, do it, and I have to repeat this process for the X amount of TVs. Well, anytime you turn the Sony's on, they make a they make a sound, you know. It's like like a doo doo. Anytime they turn on, I'm the again I'm the only person in the entire restaurant about to leave, and so I'm turning off the TVs. I'm turning off the second or third one on the stool and hear doo doo, and I turn around and the TV behind me turns on one of the Sony's, and I'm like, okay, that's um. It's kind of weird. Uh, no one's here. I kind of looked around again, like maybe somebody's messing with me, but looked around, no one's there. Nobody's around. So then I go turn that TV off. Well, another TV across the room turns on. And I decide, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm done. Some, I believe in the ghost now. I got to get out of here. So I leave. Now I leave the TV on. The whole building's locked again. Everything is done. In the morning, the TVs are off. The remote's where they were supposed to be. And that's when I really, you know, kind of, kind of shrugged it off. So for my second story, we were in the downstairs bar and it was about 4.30 on a Friday, 4.30 in the afternoon on a Friday. And I'm just about to get off. We do a shift change at five and I'm at my drawer counting money. My entire bar is empty. There's some people at, some, at the tables uh, around, but there's nobody at the bar. There's nobody behind the bar besides me. I'm the only one there. There's a couple servers. Again, there's people around. And I get this weird feeling, and I just kind of look over, and I see this wine bottle fall off fall off of the Red Bull cooler we have sitting there from the back of the Red Bull cooler and completely clears the Red Bull cooler, the cooler it's sitting, that, that cooler it's sitting on, and smash on the ground. And I just was, you know, it looked like somebody had to force it off. There's, you know, if it was just going to topple over, it would probably knock over, roll, roll, smash, right? No, this, it looked like somebody threw it across, you know, threw it across the bar. Everyone's looking at me, everyone's staring at me, and I'm like, I, I'm five feet away from this. That wasn't me. Something did this, but, you know, there were two other bottles next to it that didn't even move, that weren't even affected, and this one bottle in the middle decides that it's going to completely clear about three feet out, three or four feet out, and, you know, about a four or five foot drop. Again, where I was like, okay, something's here. Tavern regular Nick also had another story to share. So this was, uh, I was downstairs, and this was after hours, and we're, um, the TVs were off and everything, and I was uh, just sitting there uh, waiting for people to leave. I Sometimes I walk out with some of the, with the managers and just say goodnight to everybody. And I was there with uh, a guy named Steve. We were just chatting, and it was very quiet in the whole bar. And Spencer was, we knew Spencer was walking around somewhere who was the closing manager. We heard some furniture getting pushed around upstairs. We heard specifically, it sounded like something heavy, like a table, not just a chair, but a table of some kind. And uh, Steve said, well, man, what's he doing? What's Spencer doing? And we're like, I don't know, whatever, you know, because we kept hearing it, just stuff moving back and forth, which was, and we're right near the stairwell, and so we can tell it's it was right above us to the second floor. And then Spencer comes out of the kitchen on the first floor, and we're like, hey, man, you've got, you've got somebody upstairs. Someone, you still have a straggler. Somebody's upstairs, obviously. He's like, no, no one's up there. There's nobody, you know, there's no way. And I said, yeah, no, we heard something. He goes, oh, he didn't believe it. You know, he didn't believe us at all. And so, so we didn't think anything of it, and he left for a minute, and then he comes back. And then the three of us are sitting there talking, and then Steve and I, I heard it again. We heard some movement, and Spencer said, 
that's nothing, man. Don't worry about it. And Seema said, no, there's something. We just heard something get move again. So I, I started, we, I just started walking up the stairs and I looked around. It was completely dark everywhere. And um, unfortunately, I didn't see something. I really wanted to see something. I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to ghosts, but we undoubtedly heard stuff getting moved around up there. I had no idea what it was, but uh, there wasn't. We looked around because we thought there might have been uh, drunk sitting somewhere, but nobody was there. So my whole thing is I used to think that Emily was like mean or malicious, but everything she's done with me is more playful. Like sometimes when I'm going down the office stair, my ponytail will get pulled back. Um, the bathroom thing, like it was terrifying, but it was not harmful, you know? So I think that she, I think she misses her mom. And I think she, that's why she messes with women. She wants a motherly figure. And a lot of the managers here have been women. Like the longest manager here was a girl. And she had the most experiences out of anyone. As soon as I started, I started having these experiences where like, I mean, I'm new here and the staff probably thinks I'm crazy because I'm like, I swear to God, someone just pulled my hair. Um, So I think she wants a mom like she really misses her mother or she's just like wants a girlfriend like wants someone to play with her some I think she gets jealous too like I've had I had like a card up here that my boyfriend left in the office for me and he was like oh did you get that card I left you and I never got it so I don't know if a staff member took it or if she took it but like um I don't think she likes other women giving their attention to Men, like I think she's because she was 12 or 13, right? So she's probably still like, boys are icky, you know what I mean? She just I, like she has an attitude, and so many more things happen to women than men. And when they do happen to men, it's like not as playful. I feel like everything that's happened to me has been more it's terrifying, but it's silly. Um, I've never seen anything scary, I've never seen anything. The interviews came to an end and I was packing up my gear. I just decided to ask Molly if anyone had ever seen Emily. She seemed to hesitate a bit and then she nodded and mentioned that one of the bartenders here had. Her name was Amy and she was actually bartending at the moment on the second floor. I inquired if she might be open to telling me about the experience. Molly said that she was a little uncomfortable talking about the experience but that I was welcome to go down and try to talk to her. So eventually I did, and I was able to convince her to come out onto the patio and tell me her story. So I'm Amy. I've been here since January of last year. I've always heard stories about it, never believed it, never believed it, until I actually, like, saw some stuff. And I, like, I thought it was crazy for a second. I really thought it was crazy for a second. But um, I was sitting with my boyfriend and one of his good friends that comes in all the time and his girlfriend works here too we were sitting here after hours and they were like deep in conversation and i was just watching tv and then i like looked to my left and it was me my boyfriend and then his good friend and my good friend to his left i looked at them and i saw a girl about my size which i'm about five one uh but she had long like blonde hair I looked and I, I told myself it, it couldn't be real, so I like looked away, kept watching TV for a sec, and I was like, nah, 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 that can't be true. 
kept watching TV, looked back, still there, and she was just intently, like, watching them. Didn't say a word. And then they looked at me, and they thought that I was, like, like offended by something that they said. Like, What's wrong, Amy? What's wrong? And that's when he was like, are you okay? And then I was like, no. And I looked away, and when I looked back, gone. Just gone. And it's not like she was weird or anything. She didn't do anything. She just stood behind them and just watched them. Like, to this day, he'll even have my back on it, and he's sitting inside. He will tell you it looked like I saw a ghost. And I was like, I think I did, dude. I really think I did. I don't know if I believed in ghosts before I got here. I think that some part of me did just because, you know, you grow up hearing stories and things like that. And, you know, I can recall times when I think I've had experiences with ghosts when I was a kid and, and, and things like that. And but being here has changed it in a really interesting way. Like I said before, you know, it's not that I believe in ghosts now. It's not that I'm like, there's a ghost over there and I know that there's one over there and they hang out. You know, it's not like that, but it's the I'm more open to the to the idea that they can exist to the point where if I have proof, if there's proof, I'm there. You know what I mean? If there's proof that there's ghosts, I will be like, yep, 100%. And like the stuff that happens with Emily, it's the first time in my life where it's been it, it's been like I I can't explain that. I can't explain it because that's what it's all about, right? It's things we can't explain. What does that what does that mean? Maybe it's ghosts, maybe it's our minds playing tricks on us, whatever. In any case, I can't explain it. I've heard so many stories. I've experienced things. I can't explain it. And so, like, what else is it going to be? Even if it's not Emily, that story fits so good that it convinces you. It makes you believe that it's real, even if you don't believe that that could be real. I used to think it was just Emily. And that would make sense, right? Like, it's one girl, and she's bored, and she's sad, so she's acting out. And then um, Mark was here on a ghost tour, and... He had a woman on the tour who got very upset in the middle of the tour and left the building. And later he was like, you know, what's going on? And she was like adamant. She was like, who owns that building? I have to speak to him. And he was like, why? What? And she was like, I saw Emily. Emily talked to me. She's stuck there because there's an evil male spirit trapping her in the building. And so I was like, okay, like evil male spirit whatever and then I started thinking like a lot of the times the things are kind of like cries for help and how scary would it be if there was this innocent 12 year old girl who's already gone through like the worst and imaginable at 12 and then she can't even pass on because there's some kind of evil entity housing her here I heard a story I'm not sure if it's true that for a while um, a lot of the girls who worked here would get calls from an unknown number when they were in the bathroom downstairs. So they'd be in the bathroom and they'd get a call from an unknown number, answer it, and it was like staticky, fuzzy, but you could hear some crying and then it was just like, help me. And it happened to multiple girls from what I've heard. So if that story's true, then she's definitely trapped here. And there's definitely another spirit. Um, But I don't know who it would be. Like if the redhead statesman did this, and then he did meet his end, why would he come back here? I'm not sure how that would work. Or maybe it's just something evil. Um, the woman who was upset about this whole thing, who saw it supposedly, um, saw Emily standing in the safe room, 
and behind her just a tall, black hooded figure, like a Grim Reaper type of thing. But even then, I don't know what she would do to deserve to be, like, trapped here. And I don't think she's vindictive. Like, I don't think she feels like this is her... Maybe she does, but I don't think she would want to stick around and haunt it. I feel like she'd want to go on and be with her mother. Like, cross the bridge, you know? So, I do think there is more than one spirit here. Sometimes I get so upset thinking about what happened to her. And I know that happens, like, probably every day all over the world. But, like, every day when I come up to my office and I pass that spot, it just breaks my heart. Like, she was 12 years old. She was just here with her mother. And I think about how much I love my mom. And I just, I, I just feel so terrible. And I hope that one day she can pass on and be with her mom again or just find peace. And I, I hope she knows that, like, that wasn't supposed to happen. And, you know, the world isn't supposed to treat little girls like that. That's why I almost don't mind when she does things. Because she had it that bad. And she was so young. And it freaks me out that we still walk by that spot every single day. It just breaks my heart. I hope that she can find peace, and I hope she can find her mom, because from everything that I've heard, like, that was, like, the bond of her life and her mom. She came to work every day with her. They're clearly very, very close. And for that to happen while her mother was right downstairs, it's insane. Um, I'll show you the shoes. They're right here. Molly takes me to the wall directly across from the upstairs bar, just before you get to the restrooms. On this wall is a red wood frame box with a glass face, Inside rests a pair of old, worn, black leather shoes. If I had to guess, I'd say late 1800s to early 1900s, possibly. There's also a small note in the box that reads, Emily's shoes, found during 2003 renovations. And they fell right through here when they were renovating. Where's that crawl space in relation to? So the crawl space Where I'm standing, Molly's pointing directly above my head, showing me that the wall that the actual shoes are resting on now in a frame is directly below the crawl space. is right here. Yeah. Um, original menu, which is pretty cool. They have burgers for 35 cents. They also found this in the renovations. Um, really cool old cigar tray, a ruler. It's like our little history wall. It was now late, and the tavern was now closing its doors. So I packed up my gear, said my goodbyes, and walked out to my car. I looked out across the street at the windows on the second story and hoped I'd see something. But I didn't. And I usually don't. I'm not sensitive to these things. I do this podcast because I'm curious about the other world, the unexplained. And I want answers, but I don't always get them. But I knew somebody that probably could. And as I thought of the story of Emily and this tragedy that supposedly occurred nearly a century ago, my mind went back to Sarah and the thought of how she could possibly help. When I got home, I couldn't help it. I picked up my phone, and I called Sarah. Hello? Hey, it's uh, Stephen. Hey, Stephen, what's going on? I've got another case that I'm working on for the podcast, and I wanted to ask you, one, how you felt about what we did on the first case, and then, two, if you'd even be interested in, like, maybe doing this again. Um, uh, I was good. The first case, I really kind of liked um, being able to do that and, and talk to Ray and everything. Um, it was nice to kind of get that close up um, and, and, you know, and work on other things. So that was, that was really nice for, like, my first time out doing something. Um, sure, I'd love to do it. Um, um, do you have a place in mind or? 
Yeah, there's yeah. a place that I've actually done some interviews with already, and the activity there just really seems to be very active, and I'd, I'd be interested in taking you there. So okay. my plan is, uh, again, like last time, I don't want to give you any information, and we'll just set up a time with the manager and just have you come do a walkthrough and see if you feel or get anything. Okay, just let me know, and I'll meet you. I'm good okay. with that. Cool. Sounds good. Right. Thank you. All right. Just as a reminder, or for those of you who haven't heard our first episode, Sarah is an old acquaintance of mine who unexpectedly got pulled into my first investigation into a local Austin tattoo shop where the staff were experiencing unexplained phenomena. She discovered she had the ability to see and communicate with spirits at a later age in life and helped us get to the bottom of the mystery behind the spirit that haunted Royal Legion Tattoo. Now she joins me to investigate the tavern in episode three. Tune in on December 25th and join Sarah and I as we further investigate the claims at the tavern, discover darker truths behind this already horrific tale, and even capture photographic evidence that has some of the staff frightened to return to work. Photos from this episode, including Emily's shoes and the child's drawing of Emily, can be found on our blog at thenightowlpodcast.com. Thanks for listening to episode two of the Night Owl Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe to our channel. You can visit us at thenightowlpodcast.com. And if you have a story to tell, please email me at thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to take this time to thank our musician friends who have sponsored this episode. Nicholas Fair out of Corpus Christi and P.D. Wilder from Austin, Texas. You can get a link to their websites or their work on our website. Stay restless, and we'll see you next time. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.